the world is not ending. Every time you see the fight like this, it gets really aggressive. Everyone talks about how everyone's going to break down. We're going to run out of food. We're going to run out of power. Prices are going to skyrocket to hyperinflation, though that might actually happen, <laughs> which is why you have to buy Bitcoin, maybe some gold and silver. But the world isn't going to come to a, a standstill. It's not going to completely break down. Like there is so much redundancy built into the system. Now, supply chains are kept lean. It's a kind of lean manufacturing methodology where you keep just-in-time inventory, and so that does cause problems. No, but there's small farmers around the world, and they can increase demand and grow more food. People could do with less. There's lots and lots of calories in pantries in every American household in the country, right? Many around the world. We already waste like some ridiculous 30% of all food or something. There is a lot of backup for a lot of things. So I'm not worried. Now I have a plan B. My plan is usually is more mobile. I'd rather leave than wait it out. Uh, especially if it's like a political or governmental thing. But if supply chains break down, there will be certain areas, certain countries, certain islands that will be more resilient, that will have local foods that are easy to get. You know, you could go live in a place like Costa Rica, go live on a beach, go live in the Caribbean, fish all day, you know, plenty of fruit around you, etc. not overcrowded. So there's a lot of options like that. These areas would definitely grow, but I think that would actually be a good thing. There'd be communities that would grow with like minds, come together, you get back to stronger communities, more local, less globalization, less relying on this global supply chain, inflation, money printing governments and state, which all siphons off value to keep the entire charade, the entire game going. So if we were to have a reset like that, it'd be good. I don't think it'd be a reset where it's like zombie land apocalypse. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't. I'm hoping, part of me is hoping but the other part of me, the, the realist has also planned. So, you know, I don't really have to worry about it all that much. Now, let's just assume none of that happens. What about the markets? Stock market's tanking, all this, whatever. Well, think about stocks is interesting. Uh, Bitcoin is different animal, which I can talk about in a second. But think about stocks is like, there's always going to be a buyer last resort. There's always going to be somebody that will buy that stock for a price. So, so it's very generally, very generally, usually... Not the case that a stock goes to zero. That's like bankruptcy, insolvency, whatever. So if you're buying good companies that have cash, that provide a product and service that people want, regardless of what's going on, if you're not speculating too much, if you're not using margin, doing things like that, which I've learned the hard way, used margin, lost some, never again, never say never. So hard to say. I'm motivated now as ever, looking forward to the future. I'm going to get some of this debt I acquired in the past couple of years, get that off get in a very profitable, clean, cash-heavy position. Not even cash-heavy, just like enough cash to weather things like this, a certain target to have, plus more income from some various investments. But now's an opportunity to do that. Now's an opportunity to buy things and get generational wealth buying opportunity. Like this is the time when Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Fearful. Everyone's afraid right now. Prices are plummeting. They probably got a little bit more to go. But even if you were to buy now and we had another 10% decline, like, so what? You're down 10%. Then give it five years and you're up 200, 300, 400% like, or more, especially if the Fed starts printing again, which I think they will. So it's just like, don't try to time these things perfectly. Have some fundamentals. Buy some assets, whether that's Bitcoin, real estate companies, et cetera, that you like, and then buy them with a five-year 
minimum holding period. Minimum, really 10 to 20 is better. That's where you get the real wealth. Just buy it and set it and forget it, pretty much. Dollar cost average in, buy every single day. Same is true for Bitcoin. Bitcoin, which is only you know, 13, 12, 13 year asset, very, very new, but there's a very good chart that I saw recently, which was the lows every year. So every market cycle, we have highs and we have lows. Every year though, as adoption has increased, the low that Bitcoin goes, the retracement they call it, where it goes high, then it comes back down, that goes up every year. It's like a ladder step uh, or stairs stepping up, 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 up. That's the number that matters. The highs don't really matter, especially when the Fed was printing a bunch of money. We injected literally $7 trillion into the global money supply. <laughs> That's what the Fed did, you know, in response to COVID. And we're still dealing with supply chain issues. I think things are going to get better. I mean, I'm in business. I deal with supply chains. There are delays and whatever things happen, but it doesn't seem much out of the ordinary. Most of the turnaround times are about the same they've always been, usually 60 to 90 days, you know, even with China trying to do a zero COVID policy, which is complete insanity. So I think the productive aspect of the economy, the global economy, I think we, we actually have growth there. I think things are going to grow, be resilient and get stronger. Now, consumer spending, the stock market, all this papering and Wall Street and all that shenanigans, I don't think we've seen it yet. But even if we haven't seen it yet, like, Let's just think hypothetically where it could go. I mean, are we going to go a 50% decline from here? Like that's just unlikely. And the stronger the company is, the bigger the company is, the more cash it has, the less likely that is to be. But even if it were, again, to be a major decline that way, even if you were to buy right now, after we're down officially in recession territory uh, and the numbers are down, we're in a bear market, as they call it. Even if you were to, I mean, some stocks are down 50, 70, 80, 90%. Even if you were to buy now and we had further declines, all you're doing is just having to be more patient on the rebound. And then when growth kicks in, as it always does, because the economy grows, we have innovation that happens. We get deflation through that, which increases standard of living. You know, capital gets used effectively when it is getting used effectively. And that clears out a lot of zombie companies and things like that. Like we want a recession because there was so much manipulation. There still is so much manipulation in the entire market and all these things that cause all these gross inefficiencies and a gross misallocation of capital, which is a misallocation of humanity. You don't want to waste money. You don't want to misallocate money to things that that are fly by night, this or companies that don't really have a good product. They're just growing because investors are pouring millions into them. There's a lot of nonsense that goes on and that has been going on. Hopefully we'll clear some of that out because when you invest money into things that are not productive and you don't let the market tell you that and you don't let these companies fail as they should, then you miss out on opportunity costs for other productive entrepreneurs and employees and people to put their energies into things that the world wants. What the world wants, what the market wants is pretty universal. You know, we all want to feel good, look good, have sex. Like it's the, it's the common needs of the human. We want security. We want things cheaper. We want better pricing on everything. We want to get wealthy. If we can give people what they want, which is what the market has always done. That's why it's grown to be what it is. Humanity will get better. Things like healthcare will improve, uh, pharmaceuticals, corrupt as that industry is, and as regulated as that is, which is part of the corruption, that will you know, probably get better, more life-saving drugs for the things that are actually needed, you know, more healthy, thriving, happy humans. And that will be better for everybody. There'll be more, more wealth created and happiness and human flourishing. Humans will find a way forward. And it's crazy because students of even financial history let alone just history history, but financial history, know that these things always go like this. 
But if you zoom out over 100 years, the chart still starts way down here on the left and goes all the way up to the right. That's why when you have major corrections like this, if you're a long-term investor, like Buffett, for example, you're frothing at the mouth because you can buy companies at a discount. And then you hold them for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And then like Buffett did, he literally most of his wealth came after he was like 60. I think he might've been like a billionaire or something at 60, like, or like, or maybe even a hundred millionaire. And then 60 on is when he compounded, 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 and eventually was worth, you know, 80 billion now or whatever it is. Compound growth and everything is where the returns are in your relationships and your work and whatever you do with your life, whatever's going to contribute, you put out the best of you when you focus and you really stay committed to something. That's where the results come from. And it's true of investing. It's true in personal growth and development. It's true in relationships. So just be optimistic. Look at these hard times as a time to grow, as a time to benefit yourself in the future and just even emotionally, psychologically, health-wise. The hard times are what define the good times. Without hard times, you don't have good times. They're exactly connected. You literally cannot have one without the other. And this is the hardest thing for human humans to accept. It's the hardest thing for the single person to accept because we're so addicted to comfort. And so much of that so is based on our ability to control our environment and products and services that make our life easy and convenient. It makes us weak, weak mind, weak body, lazy. It's literally the, the demons of our biology that wants to preserve calories because it believes calories are scarce in the wild. That takes over. And that's why we try to drive around for five minutes in a parking lot to find a close space when you could literally just park back there 10 spaces behind and then just walk a little bit. It's insanity. It's why when I go to the airport, everybody is waiting for that escalator. And then you got this big double wide row of stairs just sitting there, not being used. Even people that don't have like heavy luggage, it's crazy. Just walk. So I got some tweets here. It pretty much shows you what's going on. Stock market down, crypto down, wage growth is stagnant, no growth. Yet the price of rent, gas, food, and other shit you need to survive is up, 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 up. And that's what you get. That's when you get when you have a central bank. And that's what you get when you have a currency that's manipulated and controlled. You get all this printing, you get all this misallocation of capital by the state, the ever-growing state, which now represents about 50% GDP. Complete insanity. And then I did a, here's a funny meme. It's a picture of Greta, young activist. I demand everyone drive electric cars now. And then below there's a young African boy in the ground, water around him, mud all over him. And he the meme here says, we're mining the cobalt for your batteries as fast as we can, Greta. And this one, a lithium mine, look at that. Just completely strip mine the earth, a literal strip mine. And then here's oil for cars picture below, which has a single pump jack, which is pumping oil. And there's cows around, there's grass and trees, very non-invasive to the environment. And then we compare it to all these green methods, solar panels, wind turbines, and the raw materials you have to mine to build them. The green narrative is completely and utterly ridiculous. I saw a stat the other day, it was like, governments around the world have spent about $5 trillion trying to greenify things. And they've been able to, we don't even know if it's it was really them being able to do this, but the total fossil fuel use has gone supposedly from 86 to 84%. $5 trillion for a 2% drop. Now, if you consider 
the industrialization of the earth, if you consider how more and more people are born, well, we actually have a decline birth rate, but we still have people that are born. We still have population growth, okay? We also have people in places like India and China that are getting more electrified, more in line. They're going to have more demands, more power use, which I think is great. I want more power use because like I said, I want more innovation. I believe that more humans flourishing is how we solve all of our problems. It's not less. It's not less use. It's as much human flourishing, as many humans as possible, as many entrepreneurs, innovators, and thinkers as possible. And then eventually the market innovation, then eventually the market and innovation and discoveries and inventions will solve all of our problems. We will eventually have completely free universal energy. I believe that. Eventually we will. And you could say zero carbon emission, if that even matters. Maybe we find out carbon doesn't even matter because we're actually cooling or warming the earth. And if we weren't, we'd be in an ice age right now. I've read a couple books on that. The theory is that due to the solar changing and, and the trajectory of the sun, we would probably be in an ice age right now if we weren't contributing to global warming. But then even that is kind of weird because we don't really have proof we are doing it. One last thing before I let you go. We cannot know if humans have done anything to warm earth. You cannot know for sure because you cannot falsify it. You cannot perform an experiment. And this is the foundation, as Karl Popper said, of the scientific method. And to prove something as a scientific truth, it is not based on what scientists agree on, consensus. That's complete and utter bullshit. It's based on whether you can falsify it and prove the opposite or not. You cannot stop all the energy use on the planet for 50 years and then see what happens to the environment and track it and track metrics, whatever, and then turn it back on for 50 years and then track it, whatever. You just can't do that. It's impossible. So what scientists have done, what epidemiologists have done, many of them, they look at charts and graphs. They look at what is the history of uh, the climate change? You know, when did we start burning fossil fuels? You know, 1900s, et cetera. And then the earth's been getting gradually warmer since then. Therefore, it must be humans. That seems plausible. But here's the thing. The, wor- the earth has been heating and cooling since its inception. What, like 6 billion years or something? It's been heating and cooling. We're on a relatively warm period, which is good because if we weren't, the, it would be like a big ice cube, basically. Half of America and the upper atmosphere would be under a mile of ice as it has been in the past. We would not be able to support 8 billion humans that way. Growing food would be much harder. <laughs> so it's like, you have to understand these things. Scientists that agree, so what? It means nothing. Because you know how many scientists have agreed and how many doctors have agreed over the years about things? They didn't even know what germs were. All doctors in the medical profession did not used to wash their hands. They would go deliver babies after dealing with a dead body in the morgue. And then the women would get, it's called puerperal fever. And it was considered like mother sickness or something, I forget. And then one guy pointed out that maybe we should wash our hands. And he proposed an experiment. He falsified this. He did a chlorine solution where you wash your hands before you deliver a baby, after you handle the dead bodies. And then the rate of deaths of puerperal fever in the hospital is an Austrian hospital. It was an Austrian hospital. They dropped by like 10, tenfold, something like that. Like it might've been hundred cases went down to 10, et cetera. And of course, this is like 1900s. Uh, this is when hospitals are literally weren't washing hands. There was a lot of sanitary issues. They didn't understand germs. They didn't understand things like this bacteria. What did the doctors do? They ridiculed this doctor. They said, no, it's not that. You're 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 a quack. You're full of crap because they did not like the idea that they were causing these women to die. So they just ignored it. They pretended it didn't happen. They went back to not washing their hands. 
and the rate of cases went up and they just accepted it. That's just is the way it is. This is what you get with consensus. Okay. You do not. I mean, in fact, let me give you one more example. What do you get with consensus in America in like the 1950s? That blacks and whites are to be separated, that one race is inferior than the other, and that it's completely legal through Jim Crow and this and that to act this way, to treat people this way, to treat them as subhuman. That's what you get with consensus. Now, let me tell you one thing before I let you go. Mark Twain said, whenever I find myself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. There is no truer statement than that. It's just a heuristic for humanity. The more people believe something, the more likely it is to be wrong, and in most cases to be grossly wrong and dangerously wrong. Get the Better Human newsletter over at thebetterhuman.co. Subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. I'll see you next one. Yeah.